We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to the CFB Nation All-America Podcast. My name is Bill Troche, Senior Editor at SportingNews.com, alongside Bill Bender, Lead College Football Writer at SportingNews.com. Bill, we are down to 35 weeks now, to week zero. Uh, As we get through the postseason, thank you, everybody, for joining us once again. We will be podcasting once a week during the offseason, and we will... If we need to do a second podcast during a week, we will. But the initial uh, plan is to have one podcast a week during the off season until we probably get uh, to August, and then we will ramp up from there. So, Bill, how have you enjoyed week one of the off season? <laughs> oh, I'm watching NFL like everybody else. I mean, that's what I do for us at Sporting News. I end up, you know, getting loaned to the NFL desk for a few weeks, which is fine. Um, while Steve still keeping an eye on college football, obviously there's been some developments in the week, uh, tra- ranging from tragic to strange and everything in between that college football really is. Yeah, we do have to start with the note that uh, I'm sure everyone who's listening to this podcast has heard about, but uh, you know, for the third time really since November, we had we had the shooting deaths in Virginia in November. We had Mike Leach passing away in December, and now we have. A car accident that killed a, a Georgia offensive lineman, uh, Devin Willock, and uh, recruiting staffer Chandler LaCroix last Saturday night, early into Sunday morning uh, in Athens. Uh, they had the national championship celebration uh, in the afternoon. And then uh, that evening, uh, there was police said, uh, you know, there was five passengers in a sport utility vehicle. There was excessive speed was a factor. Uh, in an accident that happened two miles uh, off campus, and it was a one-car accident, and uh, uh, there were two fatalities. Uh, The sport utility vehicle went off the road and struck a utility pole and a tree. So unfortunately, for the third time, we have seen an outpouring of, of support throughout the college football world for an unexpected tragedy. All three of these were difficult needless to say and they all three were totally different and unrelated uh but the common thread is just kind of the outpouring of support 
Yeah. And, you know, coming, you know, I can't imagine, you know, coming off the thrill of winning out in California, first time national champion or second time for Georgia, first time for him. And, you know, these are just tough to read. And, you know, your heart goes out for all the families involved, obviously, for the Georgia football program. And we'll see what they go through heading into the spring. But, yeah, it's just one of those unfortunate things that you hate to read, especially this time of year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Um, so now we will uh, transition to some other news and notes that have uh, that have happened. Uh, the biggest probably is that Jim Harbaugh is staying at Michigan after having at least one Zoom call with the Broncos and not exactly dismissing the NFL talk with his, quote, no one knows what the future holds, semi-recommitment to Michigan about a week, week and a half ago. Michigan President Santa Ono made it official last week with a tweet from his personal account that he had just gotten off the phone with Jim Harbaugh and that Harbaugh was indeed returning. What was your reaction? Yeah, I don't know. I like I wrote about it. It's <laughs> this is bizarre. It's you know, I had somebody, I'm not gonna tell you who, but somebody was texting me that it's like, I'm glad that Harbaugh has Michigan as his safety school, and he reaffirms <laughs> that every year. So it it wears on recruiting, I think, the most. But I mean, in terms of NFL versus college, I maybe the market on Jim Harbaugh, the NFL coach, just isn't there because this is there's some interest there and yeah he does a good job um but i don't understand why he just won't i do understand some of it but i the the reasoning and the speculation on why he might want to go to the nfl to college is easy to me it's because college football changed a lot in the last three years with things that he probably didn't anticipate when he arrived in ann arbor rod the the transfer portal and namely michigan's had some back and forth about how they're handling NIL and um but but at the same time look at the way he's developed the talent there and look at their roster next year that's what we wrote about they are they had a lot of guys stay including Blake Corum some offensive linemen they're loaded next year and this is probably I thought this year was their best shot at a national title with what they have coming back this upcoming year might be their best shot at a national title and that's a sign of what he's built in Ann Arbor yeah the from people who cover the program for a while who've been, you know, 
I won't say close to Harbaugh because I don't think anyone's too, too close to Harbaugh, but it felt like the general consensus was his interview with the Vikings last year was an eye-opener for him in that I don't know what it was. I don't remember what it was like when he was hired by the 49ers, but it was a lot more formal, a lot more, you need to interview with us. Okay, we might get back to you soon instead of just here's the job type of thing. And uh, Harbaugh just saw it was different, didn't get the job that day when he interviewed on signing day and recommitted to Michigan last year. The interest in the NFL this year after kind of getting that education last year was was a little weird. It, it almost felt like it is the first year his age, he was dealing with an agent, right? His first time he's he's had an agent in his corner. Uh, the agent was planning stories. You could see that on the NFL Network about, well, if Michigan offers him a long-term contract, his NFL mm. interests may be pulled or whatever. So that was <laughs> clear where that came from. Um, but I don't know... They haven't announced that he got a new contract, so I don't know if that was the motivation behind it. I really don't know what the flirtation was all about this year. Um, you've covered him a long time. You probably quit trying to figure him yep. out a long time ago. <laughs> but uh, no, no yeah. he's unpredictable. Yeah, it's like so. I mean, part of it is there's this relationship. The past president and Jim Harbaugh had a rocky relationship because I think this new president and him have a very good relationship. And then you wonder where does Ward Manuel fit in and Ward Manuel, obviously a former Michigan player um, dealing with Jim on an every year basis. I mean, there's a reason why I, you know, this is his, he's been in Ann Arbor now for eight seasons. That's double where he was at Stanford for four double where he was with the 49ers for four. There's that perception that he wears on people. And his ways wear on people. And that's why, again, why he's perfect for college. Because with the exception of the last few years, guys are in and out in four years. That doesn't, his brother, John, I always do the comparison to John. John stuck with the Ravens for a long time. And anybody that watched that football game Sunday night knows the Ravens haven't changed who they are. There's a reason why they took the Bengals to the wire. I mean, they can go on the road and do that and in a professional environment. Um and uh, with with Michigan, I think they they've established their identity again. The last two years, they're not doing it. They're not doing offense any everybody else's way. They're doing it Jim's way. They're not doing defense everybody else's way. They're doing it Jim's way, and they're winning football games. And um, again, just look at the roster next year: McCarthy, Corum, Edwards, um, every receiver but Ronnie Bell's back. And the defense got a couple transfer portal pickups along with Will Johnson back. The linebackers, their their roster stacked, their schedule set up good chance they're going to be 11 and 0 again or 10 and 1 when Ohio State comes to Ann Arbor. So I don't know why there would be the temptation to go coach for the Broncos or the Texans or the you know all these Carolina every opening in the NFL right now bill is just you don't they're, have they're open for a reason. <laughs> right, and you're going to start from you know are you going to base your team around Bryce Young or CJ Stroud and I I don't know. I I just don't know why he keeps flirting with the NFL because again, it takes the momentum off recruiting. They had the 17th best class last year coming off a of playoff appearance. That shouldn't happen. And you, you touched on their championship hopes. You wrote about it at sportingnews.com. Um, how much of a key is the development of McCarthy for their national championship hopes? 
development or turning him loose. I mean, it's too de- like I think he'll be better. Um, there's not a quarterback battle. He it was funny. I looked at where he fits on like draft boards after next year, and the top three quarterbacks in next year's class per NFL are Caleb, Drake May, Shadur Sanders. I'm like, where's McCarthy at? And you have to go down a little further. Where's he at? He's like ninth with wow. Jackson Dart. Yeah. Wow. So that's NFL draft buzz, by the way. So it's not, you know, that's early, but I see the tools, man, the, the way to run the, the way he runs the football, the dynamic play making ability, the moxie he has, you know, those intangibles, he's, he's a good quarterback, but is he a guy that can tilt the field and get in the Heisman race in that? I don't, no, I mean, Jim's got to let it happen because mm-hmm. what's going to, what I'm afraid is going to happen is if Blake Coram's healthy, they're going to default to this same offense that they use where it's just, we're going to hammer you to death. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's what the development curve for JJ McCarthy is. Also, they don't have an alpha number one receiver. Like that's the one missing piece to me. Where's the Braylon Edwards? Where's the you know, David Terrell guys that they've routinely pushed out in the nineties and early two thousands. They haven't had one of those in a while. Not to be outdone by Jim Harbaugh, his co-offensive coordinator has gotten into a little uh, trouble. He, it looks like staying, uh, staying with Michigan Uh, co-offensive coordinator, Matt Weiss is on leave as the school's police department investigates a report of computer access crimes committed in the football offices in December. Weiss issued a statement that reads, I am aware of the ongoing investigation by the University of Michigan Police Department and fully cooperating with investigators. I look forward to the matter being resolved. Out of respect for the integrity of the investigation, I will not have any further comment. Weiss's home was also reportedly searched by university police last week. And um, it's it's. It's unclear. Uh, it was he was reported as well that he is off the road. He is not recruiting right now, which is kind of a heavy recruiting period. Um, so I don't know where this stands. Um, couple this with the the Jim Harbaugh level two violations that he apparently was not cooperative with the NCAA, and it, it, <laughs> it's similar to last year's uh, early off season for Michigan, where. Uh, Things were a little iffy, but obviously by the time fall rolled around, there wasn't a problem. Yeah, I don't – I'm going to wait till details come out on this, on what exactly is going on. It's a strange story, certainly, coming on the heels of, oh, Harbaugh's back. And, you know, imagine <laughs> being – you know, the, the Michigan fan base has to be like, what's going on? You know, like – and uh, I think we'll see what happens because this is very similar to last year where they had all this, again, it's like, what do you do with the momentum of what you're doing? You know, they, they, it's, it just continues to stall in the off season. Now they're recruiting. We'll see how that goes, but you know, does this mean that Matt Weiss is eventually let go? I guess it's a possibility. So it becomes Sharon Moore's offense. Jesse Minner didn't go anywhere. So they're not switching both coordinators. Um, But another just weird story, like, I, know. <laughs> I, I don't I don't we'll see where it goes, I suppose. But um, when you talk about computer access and those kind of things, that's, that's above my pay grade. We'll see what the, the, the investigation turns up. All right. Before we one last Michigan piece before we go. Trochi trivia. Trochi trivia is not going away in the offseason. I'm going to have a little Trochi trivia. Jim Harbaugh edition. I usually try to stump you, but like I know you know Harbaugh inside and out. So I don't know how successful I'm going to be. But uh, here goes. 
Harbaugh is three and seven in his career against top five opponents. Okay, three and seven. That includes two wins over Ohio State and two losses to Ohio State. Okay, mm-hmm. so he's got one other win and five other losses against six different programs. So can you name those six programs? That's going to be the Trochi trivia answer. We will await the answer mm-hmm. at the end of the show. So you've got so it's every, the Ohio state part is off the board, off the board. There are five other top five teams he's lost to, and there is one top five team he's beaten okay. in his career. So we will revisit at the end of the show. Moving on, C.J. Stroud, staying in the Big Ten, I guess, is leaving Ohio State. He waited until the last day of the deadline to declare for the NFL draft. Hopes were raised when uh, Ohio State booster uh, Brian Schottenstein of the Schottenstein family, who uh, have the basketball gym named after them, tweeted he would have news early Monday morning when Stroud still hasn't announced. It raised the hopes of the Ohio State fan base, but it turned out not to be true, uh, CJ, that CJ was returning, but rather Brian Schottenstein was promoting his own uh, gender reveal video. So I'm guessing that did not go over well with the Ohio State fan base. They take their uh, football kind of seriously, don't they, Bill? Yeah, and you know they the Schottenstein family they they have a lot of things in Columbus. Again, that's above my pay grade, so I'm not going <laughs> to take any shots at him literally, um, because uh, he you know they obviously the collective group that he's helped with is a big deal in Columbus. So yeah, that that kind of didn't land probably the way he wanted it to, even though he had said two days earlier he thought Stroud was gone. Um, but you know the bigger news is. To me, the the take here was there was this kind of speculation that, hey, Ohio State might be able to put together an NIL package and and keep Stroud, and there's no substitute for life-changing money in the NFL. The the money that C.J. Stroud's going to make as a top-five pick was more than coming back for another shot at Michigan in a national title. I think you were at the Georgia game. that You could probably speak more to. That was a had-to-have-it performance, and he looked like a franchise NFL quarterback, right? Absolutely. I mean, he answered the questions that were an issue for him, which was how accurate can he be under pressure? What happens when he's moved off his 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 spot? And can he move the ball and extend plays and actually pick up first downs with his legs, which he doesn't like to do? But he did that all against a national championship defense. Um, Stroud wasn't the reason they lost that game. He played terrific. And if he can pick up where he left off, and have a good combine and all that kind of thing. Yeah, he's going to be top five without a doubt. Yeah, and and you know for him, I, I think it, it just makes the most sense. Um, he there is we talked about this. I've talked about this before at least about the uh, the stigma of Ohio State quarterbacks in the pros. And you know they've had now they will have had three first round quarterbacks in the last five years. Dwayne Haskins obviously life cut short by a tragic accident, but was on the way after a rough start to his career was on the way to kind of getting back up and mm-hmm. he might've been in the Steelers starting lineup, but who knows? Um, Justin Fields, they need more help around him. He flashed some dynamic talent running the football. There's still time. So there's no way to call him a bust. And now Stroud comes in where he's going to end up either in somewhere like Houston or Indy. Um, 
there's going to be a lot of conversation about Stroud and Young at number one. That's what NFL draft next do. But CJ Stroud's got NFL size. He's got an NFL head. And I would argue, I tell these people this all the time, there's probably less pressure playing for the Houston Texans than there is being the quarterback at Ohio State. Speaking of pressure at Ohio State, Brian Hartline is now going to be the official offensive coordinator or whatever you want to call it, and Ryan Day is no longer going to call the plays. I'm thinking about the pressure on him next year. Well, yeah, I mean, Kevin Wilson, you kind of forgot that he was the offensive coordinator a little bit because when you talk about Ohio State, it's always Ryan Day. And Brian Hartline would be the first assistant that came up anyway because of the tremendous job he's done recruiting, especially the Incredible, yeah. Um, just watch Sunday. You watch it. You watch it. Yeah. Like, well, a lot of it probably rookie of the year. And you have Harrison and Buka. Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be a first round pick. Um, <laughs> so now, I mean, a first time coordinator, this is a good step for him. And I think he'll be a head coach soon. Anybody that's been around Brian Hartline enough, he's um, very matter of fact and very. He's got some charisma to him, you know, because these kids are buying in. And I think this is the path to him becoming a head coach soon. Um, I don't anticipate Ohio State. Ohio State's still going to have a 40-point offense next year. I wonder how the running game works, though, you know, and, and how Trayvon Henderson was beat up. Mayan Williams was beat up. You were Again, you were at the Georgia game when you need to close games or get five yards for a field goal. I'd be able to trust that running game. And I think not having Henderson and, and mine Williams probably still a little beat up, hurt them a little bit. Two other coordinator things I want to run by you. Garrett Riley going from TCU to Clemson. Uh, the surprise there was that Dabo Sweeney uh, fired Brandon Streeter, a guy who had been with him for years and years. Um, Dabo is very reluctant to uh, part with coordinators. He had elevated Streeter. Uh, last year from, I don't know what he was, uh, wide receivers coach or maybe, um, but uh, he replaced um, Tony Elliott, uh, who took the Virginia job, and Clemson's offense actually did improve, just not enough. And so uh, uh, Clemson uh, turned to Garrett Riley, which, you know, he had a terrific year in his first year at TCU, younger brother of Lincoln Riley. I uh, thought that was an interesting hire. And then, of course, uh, Alabama is going to be in the market for a defensive coordinator. Mr. Golding is at uh, Southern Miss now. So that's a high-profile opening uh, that Nick Saban has to fill. And I've heard the name Jim Leonard floated out there. Yeah, they'll bring somebody in that that has to I, – I, and Leonard makes sense because background in the secondary, and they need to fix the secondary. You and I talked about that. At our All-American meeting, I mean, Alabama obviously has talented players back there, but if you look at the losses to Tennessee and LSU, you have seven pass interference calls, couldn't defend the pass when it mattered, and I think that's some – Leonard would make sense. You know, they'll come in with a big name, obviously. Um, then Garrett Riley's one of the more bold hires for Dabo, who, who's built that program on – the consistency of having the coordinators the same, you know, Venables, mm-hmm. Elliott, like you said, they had them. That was it. They, you know, Saban and Dabo have done it differently in terms of Saban. You, I don't, we'd have to go make a list of how many coordinators he's had. Swinney, not too many. So 
the Garrett Riley hire is definitely a wake-up call because they do need to get that passing game going around Klubnik, who's a Texas kid, so that makes sense. Um, they need better production out of the receiver position, you know? Where's the T. Higgins in that offense? Where's the mm-hmm. Justin Ross? That They find that. They'll be good enough to win the ACC and maybe get back in the playoff. But that these are bold coordinator hires on teams that are national championship contenders. So these guys are under a lot of pressure as well. I thought Garrett Riley definitely was going to be in demand this year uh, in the offseason. As a Patriots fan and follower, I thought he might get in the mix for the offensive coordinator job. Another guy who might get in the mix is Bill O'Brien, of course, Alabama's offensive coordinator. Saban may have to uh, fill two important slots in the offseason. Not that he hasn't handled that in the past, um, but uh, it looks like Bill O'Brien is definitely going to get an interview at a minimum with the Patriots. So that would be interesting. And, you know, having Garrett Riley go from TCU to Alabama, I can see that, but he's already been snapped up. So we'll see what Saban has in store. If he does have to replace his offensive coordinator. One last story we want to touch on that Jaden Rashada, the Mm -hmm. four-star California uh, quarterback from California uh, has formally asked for his release from his letter of intent, he signed with the Gators on December 21st during the early signing period. Uh, of course, Rashada has reportedly was offered a four-year, $13 million NIL deal from the Gator Collective. And uh, several reporters have confirmed this. Um, so I, I believe those numbers, uh, except they were too good to believe, apparently, because uh, now the Gator Collective... Uh, is coming up short for that $13 million number. Jaden Rashada is asking out of his letter of intent now. He originally had committed to Miami in the past. Uh, the Gators have not officially released him, but it all signs point to the fact that they will release him. Uh, I think I saw they were re- trying to recruit Walker Howard, the LSU transfer, uh, who has not gotten on the field yet at LSU behind Jaden Daniels. Um, so this was just a nightmare from the beginning. It sounds like, you know, the Gator Collective offered beyond what they, the resources they already had built up. Uh, and it's the athletic department has egg on its face because of a collective that they have no control over. Right. Um, Four years, thir- I just keep staring at four years, 13 million, <laughs> and thinking a, a kid that's never taken a college football snap is getting that kind of money. And, I, you know, I get it that, that we talk about the market for these guys and that. But, and you knew when NIL happened that the, the triangle of power five schools in Florida, Florida State, Miami, Florida, would be stories <laughs> like this were going to pop up in Florida. You know, I make, you know, my, my 12 year old son is aware of like Ohio stories and Florida stories because only those two states produce stories like this. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, it's, it's another part of this NIL mess that we haven't figured out that, you know, you worried, I've said all along, you worry about bad deals that aren't going to come through and what happens when they don't. And it's unfortunate for the kid because right. he's stuck with this story for the rest of his career and anything short of being a first run NFL pick, like, ah, look at that guy. He was going right. to sign for 13 million. Like, he doesn't deserve that, right? I mean, you know, he's supposedly underperformed at the Elite 11. 
when this was going on with Miami and supposedly the bidding war was going on in the background when he's trying to showcase his talents at a high profile event like that. And then, you know, how you do at the elite 11 sticks with you for a while too. So it's just, you know, it's unfortunate. He's probably being painted, you know, in some circles as, uh, you know, a bad kid or making bad decisions or whatever. I'm, you know, I'm not sure who are the people around him or making all these decisions and everything, but, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. I feel, I feel bad for Rashada. I feel, I feel a little bad for the Gator athletic department. I do not feel bad for the Gator collective whatsoever. Um, and we'll just kind of see how this sorts out down the road. Yeah. And hopefully again, like you, you make a good point because this is the type of thing that, it might stick with him. Now, if he goes to Miami, it's going to stick with him because now you're, you're the guy that spurned Florida for Miami. I don't know. I don't have the schedule in front of me. I don't know that they play anytime soon, but they might, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. And another reason why, you know, like you said, we'll be talking during the off season, you search for topics to talk about during the off season. I'm sure the, the continued evolution of NIL will, will be, at the forefront, because at the most important position, which is quarterback, which was where we saw all the transfer portal moving around. And this kid, this is a long way from, remember a couple years ago, Zach Evans, the five-star recruit, he was at Georgia, then he wasn't, and then he, this is the new version of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he, of course, ended up at TCU and transferred to Ole Miss. So, of course. Where you land is not necessarily where you are going to stay. So we will see about that. All right, let's return to the Trochi trivia before we sign off. Jim Harbaugh, three and seven against top five teams in his career. Uh, Two and two against Ohio State. So one and five against six other programs. Can you name the one win and then the five other losses? Can you tell me? How many losses? This is a this layup. Is, I'm not telling you anything. Come on. The, this is a layup. I know the win. The win's USC. The win is USC. The losses are, I've got four <laughs> of them. I just need to know. The losses, I'm going to go Penn State. Penn State, correct. T- TCU, Georgia. TCU, Georgia, correct, correct. In the uh, college Oregon, playoffs the last two years. Oregon, Oregon correct. So this is the other one. I don't know that there's another one at Michigan because I knew he was. No. So it's another Pac-12. It's USC. Right? Incorrect. Is it a Michigan? Is it since he's been at Michigan or since? It when has was... been since he's been at Michigan. So I would guess. I don't I don't think. Was Wisconsin top five? That would be correct. Really yeah. The Badgers. Yeah. That I, I think. It's a layup, Bill. Come on. That was yeah. So he's that means doing the math. He's two and yeah. That's right because I did the stat for us and the thing. I, he was two <laughs> and five against the top five going into the TCU game. So that's just me being quick but in no a hurry. So yeah, I mean that's that's why you pay him. I mean that those are the biggest games and I do remember the USC game. That's another remembering where I was because they were weren't they like thirty point underdogs? Yes. So, yes. So you come a long way from that. He has. He sure has. And it's good for him that he's got those two Ohio State wins now on the resume so he can uh, beef that up a little bit. So that should do it for today. Uh, Thanks, Bill. And uh, we will be back next week. I wrote a story about why the um, college football playoff should be moved in its entirety to December once it expands to 12 teams. 
and have the national championship game on January 1st. Um, we will get into that and whatever news and notes kind of pop up between now and then. But until then, thank you for listening, and we will see you next week on the CFB Nation All-America Podcast. happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com